Welcome to the Crackpots Podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. And Avraham was the, the focus this week. And so funny story that has absolutely nothing to do with the, the story that was told. Oh. Well. But has to do with um, the name Abraham. And when I was in Hebrew class, um, they had spelled out in Hebrew, Avraham. I thought it was a verb or something and I was trying to parse it. <laughs> And I could not, for the life of me, figure out what it was supposed to be. I'm like, well, what's the root of this? And blah, blah, blah. And it took me, I don't know how long before I finally realized it was the name Abraham. Because that's how fun um, Hebrew is. If I was in charge of translating scripture, as <laughs> evidenced by my, um, especially the New Testament, I did not take Hebrew, I took Greek. We did not have to take both, thank God. The New Testament would be drastically different if you I was... You didn't have to take both? We did not have to take both. Nope. We only had to we, take Greek. We, we could not take any of our Old Testament classes without having taken Hebrew. What? Nope. We had to take Greek. We did the summer intensive Greek and then a semester of well, Greek. We had to have Greek too, but we also yep. had to have the, the, the Hebrew. Hebrew was not required at the Lutheran Theological Seminary of Gettysburg. Weird. Thanks be to God. That is because so I, I mean, we used Hebrew, but we didn't have to. We didn't have to take it. You didn't have to sit down and do a, literally an oral exam to, nope. to, to do Hebrew and show that you could read it, that you could and parse it, that you could do. All had that kind of I good had stuff. to try and survive Greek and Hebrew, there is no way that I would have made. I, now I did hear, and maybe you can, maybe I, you can answer this. <laughs> I I have heard, Stunned. I have heard that because Greek and Hebrew are so drastically different, just because you sucked at Greek doesn't mean you would automatically suck at Hebrew. Correct. However, however, I, Pastor Chad would have sucked at both. I, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. What what I am saying is, I think that. It's more along the lines of people who have a propensity for languages yeah. versus people who don't. Yeah. Um, I, I excelled in English and in English grammar and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah. for me, all it takes to learn a language is to figure out the grammar. Yeah. And then it's just memorizing vocabulary from that yeah. point forward. I, um, I, am, I am eternally grateful for Bible translation software. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and oh. to, to be fair, at this point, you know, 10, you know, 13 or so years out, um, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm not the, the best at, at uh, just picking up either Greek or Hebrew and, and reading it. Um, I've done pretty well every once in a while when we have had our text study, and mm -hmm. I've actually pulled out just my straight old everyday Greek um, text, I've been able to find what we were looking for and been able to look at the sentence and actually like recognize what it kind of is saying. So, I still have mine. That's impressive. Um, I'm surprised you didn't toss that the day you graduated. It's kind of one of those badges of honor and proof for me that there is grace. Because if it were <laughs> not for grace, I would not have passed Greek. Um, well, I... I oof. My best friend and I became best friends because of Greek, because she called me up our first week of classes, maybe it was the second week, but she was like, we were supposed to do a take-home test, 
and and she called me up and she's like, I know we're supposed to do this by ourselves, but I so don't understand anything. Yep, that would have been you, me. Can you help me? And so I sat down with her, and once I like, I, I don't know, I, she somehow didn't get that there were like certain tenses that we, you know, like aorist or you know whatever. I remember that when I was able to put it in English grammatical terms for her and be like, well, it would be like this, you know, like this is a noun, this is a verb, yeah. blah blah blah. They just call it these things, and she was like, oh, yeah. My okay. best friend tested out of Greek. So she was of zero help to me in Greek. Helpful in Gospels, but not in Greek. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's how we became friends. Um, was I love she, that. She, she decided I, would, I, I, I might be the kind of person that would help her, quote, cheat on a test. Yeah. Be, <laughs> be useful. Cool. Um, and I did not do the test for her. I just helped explain things to her a little bit while we were, you know, kind of going through it. I was explaining how things worked, and that helped her yeah. then at least understand for the whole rest of the semester how the the Greek functioned, and she did much much better. So, but anyway, that has nothing to do with the the uh, text that we had for this weekend about blessing. <laughs> Other than it was a blessing, you did not have to take Hebrew. <laughs> it, it was. Well, so what's interesting, not interesting, what's Didn't aggravating. Niffle and niffle and. <laughs> oof, yeah. What's aggravating in Scripture is when one part of the text uses one name for a person and another part of, the t of Scripture uses another name Oh, like Paul versus Saul. Yeah. yeah, Paul versus Saul. You got the guy. You have Abram and Abraham, mm -hmm. Sarai, Sarai and, Sarah. and Sarah. It's like no, just pick one. The name change. Yeah. Like just pick one. Jacob, Israel. Although really, they don't call him Israel. Right. Ever. Right. Other than after he's gone. Yeah. You know. Um. But yeah, it's always still Jacob. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the name change thing is always intriguing, just because. Well, it, it's like do. You, we want, we want scripture to be accessible to people, and then you do little things like that that make it more confusing. Yeah, well, I mean, but part of it is because the name change usually is a change in relationship as well. I know. So, so the name is symbolic in terms of it, it, it denotes the change in relationship between the yeah. person and God. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, although the Saul Paul thing, I've never quite really understood because one is Greek and one is the Hebrew. So I'm like, why? Why make the change? Oh, I only knew it was Greek. <laughs> ah. Uh, sorry. So I'm not real sure because it's like the Greek name for Saul is Paul. So it's like, well, why? Yeah. Why did you even call him Saul? I, it just, yeah. Okay. Anyway, whatever. Um, we did not translate scripture. <laughs> probably a good thing probably anyway so uh blessing yeah uh, the the three points of of the blessing and and the delayed how should i put this execution of the blessing <laughs> fulfillment Fulfillment, thank you. Fulfillment yes, that's sounds the word better than for. execution. I'm like the delayed what's it called when you actually do the, the what, what you promise. Yeah, so I, I find that part troubling um, 
the, the delay the delay part i mean we there's always unforeseen circumstances right like you could die tomorrow and not fulfill a promise that you made but like it's a really long time <laughs> um you know, we're talking like, you know like the generational length of a promise being fulfilled i mean that seems well, for, for for them, yeah, it was like three generations that it you know took to to you know at least begin the fulfillment process. Finally, it's like okay, well, they're at least now twelve, you know. And to remember, Abraham had a lot of other offspring, and I think that's something that Paul points out. Um, I think it was Paul who pointed it out, um, not Peter, but anyway, so, someone pointed it out in Scripture that that there were other children. That, that he, Abraham, after Sarah died, did take a second wife. Um, and so other than Isaac and Ishmael, there were a whole bunch of other kids. And we, you know, and, and granted, that's not the, uh, the line through which the, quote, promise specifically yeah. is, is going through. But at the same time, to recognize that that fulfillment actually, there, there was a lot of other stuff in terms of, of Abraham was the father of many nations, and not just the nation of Israel. It was, yeah. there were all these other kids yep. that he had as well that are, are out and about there. You and I are probably descendants in some way, shape or form, who knows, we never... <laughs> of of that we, we you know but um it's uh, uh that I, I you know i i think we don't even really understand the scope of of the implications of that right I, again we want our tendency as christians is to think that it's all it's all all, all about us and only about us. Right. And, I mean, we're dealing in the Old Testament. So Christian, meaning Jesus, uh, wasn't born yet. So there, there's lots of, lots of webs or fingers, or however you want to put it, through all of the faith that we're delving into in the Old Testament. Now, as Christians, we you know, focus, of course, through the Christian lens, but you know, it's, it's, it's more layered and complex than just a straight line to Jesus. Like, there's more in there. There's other, there's other branches on that tree is maybe the best way to put it. Yeah, there's a lot, lot of, lot of uh, family tree branches there that are, are all a part of that. But, you know, when you're, when you're looking at the generational aspect of the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham, and then you kind of look at the 2,000-year promise that's still ongoing and we're waiting for, and when is that going to happen, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I mean, and unfortunately, I think... What's the lament, how long, oh Lord? yeah. <laughs> How long, oh Lord? Like really? Like how long? You said soon. <laughs> so, so my my right my co my college baseball coach, God rest his soul, um, very famously amongst us as as alumni and former former players, 
would constantly, one of his common refrains was, how long? Like, until you get it right, until you stop screwing this up. And every time I hear that lament, I hear it in my coach's voice, my raspy coach, chain smoking cigarettes, you know, cupping a beat in his hand in the dugout because you weren't allowed to smoke in the dugout, but couldn't stop him. And how long? If we got to wait until we get it right, we're going to be waiting a long (laughs) Well, coach waited a long time too, (laughs) especially with me. Um. Sorry, coach. Um, The other thing I found really kind of really under the radar in the text, um, I don't have the text in front of me, but basically on the surface, if you don't really, if if you don't read carefully, it appears as though it's Abram, not Abraham. Right, it's before the name change. Abram and Sarah. Is it Sarai? Is that? Yeah. That's Sarai. And Lot, right? Yes, the, the nephew. The three the of nephew. them. Yeah. However, there's a line in there about um, all of the people that he has acquired. Yes. So there's a line of slaves. So yes. the, the photo, the photo I used, you know, shows the three of them, you know. Heading off with yes, a whole um, all the possessions they had gathered and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran. Well, how do you acquire people? You buy them. Right. So I didn't go down the whole slavery. Well, where do you think Hagar came from? Right. I mean, she was acquired. She was acquired. <laughs> That's a nice one. <laughs> the plantation owners in the South acquired slaves. <laughs> I, yeah. So I did, I, did not, I did not go down that route um, because it's, you know, we're, we're, when you're talking about blessings and in that same text you're talking about acquiring, unless you're going to go jump fully into the waters about, about you know, is, if, if your blessing is a curse, to use opposite words, to use antonyms, um, if, if your blessing is a curse to someone else, maybe it's not a blessing. Maybe it's an acquisition. Yeah. So I, d- I did not go down those waters <clears throat> this week, but I, it, it's, it's, something to, it's something to wrestle with. Now, again, different point in time. Yes, I know it was common practice doesn't make it right but right and i think that's the important important thing to always note with these um patriarch stories just because they did it didn't mean it was a good thing correct um there you know yeah jacob had two wives and wives and two concubines guess what that didn't work out so awesome well but but i think we all we also have to wrestle with with this part of scripture you know why is god blessing abraham sorry abram why is God blessing him while he's acquiring, he has acquired many people? Like, I, I, I'll be honest, I struggle with that. And, and again, I think it's the reality of, um, and I've always said this about how God works kind of in the Hebrew scriptures, is God works kind of with what he's got. 
And if he's holding out for the per perfect person, clearly that isn't going to happen. And God doesn't do that. God does not, I think you even said it, does not, you know, he, he, he doesn't call the already equipped. <laughs> right. That, that's very true. Um, he, he equips the called. And it's, again, I think it's one of those situations where they're g given the options of, of who was available for whatever reason. Yeah. Abraham fit whatever it was that, that God decided needed to have happen. And, you know, part of it may have even been the old age. You know, it was like, hey, here's somebody I can kind of work miracles through and kind of show my, show my power through sort of thing um, because of this situation. But also to recognize that as you get into the story, and especially the, the story with Hagar, um, that there is a compassion that God continues to show to Hagar, especially when um, things kind of go south for her. God is, is there to, to take care of her and to show that, now she matters too, even though she is, quote, just a slave. Kind yeah. of thing where um, it's God showing up again for the marginalized and the people that are not necessarily being treated in just ways and and shows up to to go ahead and and care for her and deal you know deal with her and that kind of stuff but it's something to struggle with yeah. It is, because we are dealing with very imperfect people. Which again, and, and I mentioned this in, you know, as, part of, as part of the sermon, you know, we, we tend to put people on pedestals and pillars. Hey, they're, they're biblical heroes. They're script. Yes, God used them, but man, he used a bunch of I don't he know. Went, so, so let's go through. God didn't pick cream of the crop. Let's go through Abraham and kind of, you know, it's like, oh, he was such a, you know, a pillar of faith. And it's like, well, <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Uh, let's, you know, he's. And maybe, maybe it's when it counted, he was there. Right. But he, the whole, the whole trek is not, a, is not linear. No, no. It's one of those things where he goes down into uh, the promised land, like, like he's supposed to. And then he leaves the promised land and goes down into Egypt. Shh. <laughs> Cross that part out. Yeah, yeah. He he. There's a famine or something like that, and so he goes down into Egypt, and he tells Pharaoh that Sarah's not his wife; it's his sister. Yeah, yeah. Well, what? And he this, does that more than once. That's the thing that's just like. Well, here's here's crazy. the part that, and I, I didn't I didn't go back, and my mind is not there. Apparently, Sarah was hot. I guess. She's because he's like, even because that whole dialogue was Abraham saying, listen, you're, you're, you are so beautiful or whatever. And even in her old, older age, I'm sorry, more mature age. Right. Uh, which you, gives me hope. I'm like, ooh, I can still be hot at 60 some years old. Okay. How, what, yeah. was the age, what was the age difference between them? I'm trying to remember. I want to say there's at least, 
a 15 to 20 year age gap. That was my guess. At least uh, that. So, yeah. so they like go to Egypt and, and Abram's like, listen, you need to be my sister because they're never going to believe that, you know, I'm your sugar daddy and like you need to pretend. And then, you know, Sarah and Pharaoh and yada, yada, yada. It, yeah, maybe yeah, because, not. Because I want to, I, I want to say she was in her seventies when she wound up having um, Isaac, and he was in his nineties by then. So, I, yeah, I think there was about a twenty year, or so, F- fifteen to twenty year. I think was was the age gap, which was not uncommon in those days. Um, but right. it, it's. Um, Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. To, maybe not someone you want to put on a pedestal. Yeah. Well. So yeah. So he goes down and he does this, and then of course you know God starts punishing people for for what Abraham did. I always find it unfair that like Pharaoh and you know they have no idea that they did anything wrong. It's like, well, he told me it was his sister, so you know, whatever. I mean, the fact that he thought he could just take a woman into his harem in the first place was maybe a problem. But that was a that was the thing. I mean, I, I know, but still, it's, it's yeah, like maybe, not yeah, right. maybe there's there's a certain indictment on the just taking people kind of um, mentality, uh, which is why the boils and stuff started appearing on them. But uh, you know, I'm kind of like, how come Abraham didn't get punished for that one? <laughs> like he kind of gets off scot free. What what's up with that? Um, but yeah, so they go down into to Egypt and kind of. Um, put the the promise in jeopardy. Let's put it that way. Puts puts the promise in jeopardy by kind of cruising through the promised land straight down into Egypt, and he kind of missed the mark. Yeah. So, I I mean, I think part of why the boils appeared on Pharaoh was to make Pharaoh mad enough to kick him out of, you know, be like, go away. That'll do it. Just go go back. That'll do it. So he goes back, and he puts the promise in jeopardy again. Because he tells Lot, choose which direction you want to go. Now, had he decided to go left and, you know, Lot gone uh, west instead of east, you know, that, that this could be a very different story. Yep. Um, Lot instead chose to go Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> went, went to the east side, and, and so um, Abraham winds up over on the other side. And that just kind of is one of those, um, you know, things where it's like just kind of leaving it up to whatever, saying, okay, Lot, you choose. Which, which direction do you want to go? Um, so kind of put it in jeopardy there. And then, of course, there's the problem that, that Sarah can't have kids. So he takes matters into his own hands and he and Sarah decide, well, maybe you can have a child through Hagar, and that's how we'll, we'll get this whole promise thing going. Yep. Um, and God's like, yeah, no, that, that's not, that, that was not the plan. That was not what I wanted you to do. And all the consequences and stuff of, of that. So it's such a fine line, though, I think, when we're, talking about waiting for God to do his thing and trusting 
and also recognizing we do have a part to play and things to do and not just sit back and say, okay, well, God will fix it. Yeah. I, so I, I often Monday morning quarterback sermons. Um, and, and one of my Monday morning quarterback adjustments I would make is making a more direct line from the being a blessing to others as a way to fulfill God's promises. And I didn't state that as explicitly, <clears throat> excuse me, as explicitly as I wish I would have after the fact. Um, that, was one of the, that was one of the things in retrospect, like, man, I wish I would have made a more direct, more direct line from, you know, because you know, part of this text, and, and it's, it's the rosy part of the text, you know, be a blessing to others. What does that look like? And yeah, what, what, is, what does that mean? How is that? Right. What does that mean? What does that look like? And I think it, it's easy for us to, there's too many off ramps. That, oh, nope. I don't qualify for this. One, I'm not, I'm not worthy, you know, the whole pedestal thing. Well, neither was Abraham. Um, you know, well, I'm not really blessed like those people are blessed. Or, you know, if so, I mean, there's just lots of, lots of ways, you know, for wiggle room. But I think, I think the part that I would, I would amend or add into the sermon is, is that, listen, we're, we, we're, we're called to be a blessing to others, not for the sake of being a blessing to others, but because in being a blessing to others, it's the fulfillment of God's kingdom. And, and then right. that... And, and as Christians, we also recognize part of that blessing is Jesus. Yep. Yep. That yeah. Jesus becomes a blessing for the entire world. But we, we, if we have a role in it, then that makes the timeline look different. Yes. Right? So it's like, oh, well, we have a role to play in this blessing, so it's building, it's foundational, and we're building on that foundation set by Abram. Right. And, and through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, and, and we continue to build on top of that. Um, and that make, for me, that makes that, that timeline of the promise not being fulfilled well, and I think that different. there's also, um, you know, where, where is the, you know, where, where's the different line between trusting God and kind of, you know, doing things yeah. in response. And part of it is, I think, the way in which God calls us. So Abraham did have to take action. When God said, ah, you need to go down into the promised land, he actually had to get up and go. He couldn't just go, okay, God, well, miraculously transport me there. It was, no, he had to get up, go, go do the, you know, yep. and go do this. Yep. Um, parts that were out of his control was Sarah's barrenness. And it's like, okay, yeah, if that was going to happen, that had to be up to God. So I think there's the, this, when, when we're looking at what's the fine line, I think part of the fine line is what is in our, within our control that we are called to do. Yeah, that's a smack in the face piece too, that God has a role in it. Yeah. The, the barren woman is pregnant? Yeah, and versus, you know, okay, this is not in my control, but God's promised that it's going to happen, so okay, <laughs> 
Um, and, and then it becomes a matter of whether or not you try to wrest the control from, you know, th that promise out of, um, out of God's hands and into your own. Um, so for me, that's kind of where the, the line is different. And yeah. that, that there is a difference between when God is calling us to do things that are absolutely within our control to do and versus some of the promises he makes that are not in our control right. and are not things that we are called to take action on. Yep. It was, so it was interesting. I was talking with my non-Greek uh, taking bestie, who's also using the narrative lectionary. And one of, the, one of her focuses, well, they had, she had a potential COVID exposure. So they're like last minute going, oh my God, we have to rework worship. So um, the deacon, her deacon, she ended up being okay. Her deacon and the, her, her and her deacon were talking and they ended up doing an interactive sermon where they asked people to write down what they were willing to sacrifice on the altar. So essentially, because part of this text, Abraham builds an altar. Sorry, Abram yep. builds an altar. And, and so they went down the, you know, what do you need to sacrifice in order to further God's kingdom? Hopefully it's not your firstborn child. I mean... Or secondborn child. I don't I know if anybody case. wrote first or second or third or fourth <laughs> or, you know, the that child. I don't know that anybody wrote that down. But I like that idea, too, because the reality is you have to, there, there's sacrifice involved. You know, we can't just be me, 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 and have that be in alignment with God because it just doesn't work. Um, right. At some point, you have to make sacrifices, whether it's picking up your stuff and literally moving to another location, as Abram did. Um, Sight or, unseen, just completely with, you know, yeah, okay, right. God says yep. go here, let's go here. Yeah, whether it's giving happens. up money, giving up time, give, but th there's a sacrifice involved to furthering God's kingdom. There's a sacrifice involved, which, which is why, you know, which is why there's, there's, a, there's a tithing portion, to, or there's supposed to be a tithing portion to your faith that you're sacrificing something for God, for God's kingdom, to bring about God's kingdom. And I always, I always found interesting, too, about this story, and I know we can't, because it's become such a, I think you called it, what did you call it, a political football? Um, the, the immigration part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, this... And, it, well, but I, what, what I want to say is before it became a political football to talk about it, when I was in seminary, we talked about the fact, you know, so this predates all, all of this. We talked about the fact that this is a story that Abraham and everything that goes on here and into even when they wind up in Egypt with, with Joseph and blah, 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 is these are migration stories. These, yep. are, these are stories about, and um, Dr. Kester used to talk about this um, in his, especially in his Genesis to Revelation, kind of, you know, understanding the, the uh, understanding scripture as, as literature um, course that, that he teaches, is he talks about how so much of, of Genesis is about migration, and the, this, this whole notion of having to go into foreign lands 
um, and going into foreign places and going into places that that you have, um, you know, aren't quote an alien resident. Well, that, um, that, and 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 that is why it is so important in scripture the notion of hospitality which i talked about in a sermon a while back about the 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 whole hospitality thing um with with lydia and you know what what does hospitality look like but that but that's different that's different we're allowed to go to other lands but other people can't come to ours that's different Tongue firmly planted uh, in yes, cheek, but but I mean I mean I mean I mean really, and we've talked about this, and unfortunately we're in this climate right now. Well, not even right now. Over the last four, five, six I don't know, six years, five years, where you say the word immigrant, and bam, you've got people's hair up, and they're like ready, like like just. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, these scripture, these, these biblical figures are immigrants. Yeah. And if you transport that scripture to here, now again, uh, whatever, I'm just going to say it. So, so if, if, <laughs> uh -oh. Uh -oh, if, the so if the biblical figures, again, make it in North American context, because, you know, it has to be about us. You know, if, if, if the biblical figures are, from Central or South America or Mexico migrating to the United States, we don't have we don't have scripture. We're yeah. shipping them out. Yeah, like there there ain't no hospitality, and I, I say that, and that's that's that is that's a, that's a that's an inaccurate statement, because we do have pockets of hospitality. Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Services, uh, hello, we're Lutheran. Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Services does an amazing job and has an amazing program to bring people into this country to take the migrant, the immigrant population and assimilate them and get them resources to, to thrive in our society. Yeah, and up until 2017, they were working with the government on that, but then they kind of got kicked out of the, the process. But that's a whole other issue. Um, but yeah, I mean, and when you look at it and you say, well, you know, this was not, um, you know, it's different because, well, God called Abraham, you know, whatever. And it's like, well, okay, but they wind up in Egypt and they stay there. And that the you know and, and let's be fair I don't think God really wanted them staying in Egypt but they but they did, and while they're in Egypt, they wind up then getting um, enslaved while they're there. Now to be fair, I think Joseph kind of helped start that process by <laughs> getting Oops. everybody you know. Um, Although I'm not real sure that that Joseph actually enslaved his family, I think he was enslaving Egyptians. But the point being is that eventually they got seen as too numerous. There were too many of them. Yeah. And so the whole idea was, well, okay, well, what do we do with them? 
And so they said, well, let's, let's enslave them. Let's put them, you know, let's, let's have them build our, our things. Plus, they were afraid that they were going to, they were afraid they were going to take over. It was like, we're afraid they're going to wage war. They're going to side with our enemies. They're going to wage war, and they're going to take over us. And I'm not going to lie. I see a lot of that same rhetoric <laughs> today is, is yep. the same problem. Um, uh, we have people coming here as refugees and asylum seekers. Are all of them, all of them refugees or all of them asylum seekers? No, we have some bad at faith people in there. Absolutely. There, there are, are people that shouldn't be there, you know, that are, that are doing nefarious things. But the vast majority of them are asylum seekers or they're refugees or, you know, something along that lines. Yep. Um, because guess what? There's a famine in their land. Or, you know, something along those lines, kind of this, I mean, it's, it's all the same stuff. And how we look at that and how we address that, and, and I think you and I have both said on many, many occasions, our, our system is broken in how we deal with immigration. Well, and, that, and that's why I call it a political football. Yeah, because, you it's, know, it's, it's broken. Like it's, the Republican it's Party broken. says, oh, it needs to look like this. The Democratic Party says, oh, it needs to look like this. Well, the reality is over the last, I don't know how many years, there have been periods when both of those parties have had full control and had the ability to set and policy. And chance to, to make the changes that and they never did. we have not made. Why? Because it's politically expedient to not. Well, not only is it politically expedient, but it becomes something that they can then um, platform when they're trying to get elected. It's like, if you actually do all the things that you say you're going to do, what are you going to, what are you going to run on? Right. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things. It's a broken system. It needs to be fixed. Um, nobody is taking the action to try and fix it. Instead, they're just doing a whole bunch of political stunts. Um, whether it's, um, one side that goes down and, and cries at the border or if it's the other side that's choosing to, to ship them um, up north to other places, whatever it is, um, there's, you know, they, they like to use these people as pawns in, yep. in, in their political games it's, it's a, it's on, just a, it's on a both prop. sides. Yeah, it's a yeah, prop. It it's a prop both on both sides. sides. You know, are, Governor, are Governor DeSantis it. can say, hey, I'm going to ship immigrants to Martha's Vineyard, and then the, the, you know, the liberals in Mar Martha's Vineyard say, hey, look, we take, we take your discarded immigrants. And, and, and it, it's, we, we end up putting people whose lives, they're, they're real people. And, and I, th I think we forget about that. You know, yeah. It's easy to look at people in Scripture and not think they're real people. It's easy to look at people who we don't have to engage with and think well, they're not real people. Well, and they're real people, they have real lives, they have families. And to recognize these were people who were following the rules. Yeah. that they're shipping off. These were people who were doing what they were told to do. They were following the process. They were filling out the paperwork. They were told that they needed to, you know, show up for a particular court date when they were supposed to. They were, they were doing what they were supposed to do. And in the process of doing what they were supposed to do, they were lied to and shipped off. And yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm angry about that. Yeah. Um, they, they were deliberately lied to told there would be jobs and all this other stuff for them if they just got on the plane or the bus or whatever it was. And they did it because, I, I mean, they're in a position of vulnerability. They're, they're at the mercy of, um, you know, the, the U.S. government. And so when they get told this is what they need to do, that's what they did. Yeah. And then they got there and were like, what, what is this? What, and and a, part of the problem was now... 
A lot of them had court dates that they were supposed to be at in a certain place, and now they're, you know, 1,500 miles away from where they're supposed to be for their court date. And guess what? They miss their court date. What happens if you miss your immigration court date? You get deported. Yep. It's, so again, it, it's a it mess. was cruel. It, it, it's cruel, and I'm sorry, you know, wh- however, however you want to look at this, you know, whatever political side you fall on, that was a cruel thing to do to human beings. Yeah. And they were, like I said, they were the ones who actually were following the rules, doing what they were supposed to be doing. They showed up for stuff. They, they had filled out their paperwork. They were, you know, they'd gotten in, in a line that, that um, was one of the few lines that exists for immigration because that's one of our other problems is there is no line for simply I want to come and have a better life. There is, that, that line does not exist. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's kind of, I'll bring it local, that's kind of the Martin County thing, right? Like, well, we don't want affordable housing we don't want workforce housing. We like it here the way it is. We don't need to build more. Oh. Well, wait a minute. What do you mean? Did, what do you mean I have a 30-minute wait at a restaurant? Well, I have a 30-minute <laughs> wait because we got two waiters. Yeah. And there's or, no workforce Or they're housing. closed. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean it's, it takes me, there's only two, three people working at Publix checking out my groceries. Well, we can't afford to live here. Again, it's... At some point, here, here's the reality. This whole, this whole arc of Scripture, and as I said, this story sets up yes. all of Scripture. You have the call by God, a response to answer God's call, and a request to be a blessing to others. Like, that is, like, if you could take one piece of Scripture and say, this is what, this is kind of the path, this is kind of it. God calls we answer. God makes promises, and 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 we're we're part of that. We're part of that promise. We're part of that process, and we're called to be a blessing to others. And there isn't fine print. There just isn't fine print. And I know we look so hard to find fine print in Scripture. Well, not those people, or not them, or I don't have to because of this. And it's not there. Well, and scripture, the interesting and, part too of of how what, what, you know Abraham becomes this this alien resident, and then there's the story of the three men who come to him, and part of what gets attributed to him as being righteous is his in turn showing hospitality to those three people. Scripture's not exclusionary, yeah. so anytime we're acting to the exclusion of a group. We're not, we're not in alignment with Scripture. We're just not. And it doesn't matter where they're from, what they look like. It, scripture, is not, scripture is about inclusion and about hospitality and about love and about grace. And, you know, I, I'll turn it to politics. If your political policy does not follow those things, then please keep Jesus out of your political party. Don't pretend to put faith in your political party if your hallmarks are exclusion and, and um, judgment and not love and inclusion and hospitality. It, it, just, it just doesn't fit with Scripture. You can say that. You can be for those things, but you can't be for those things and claim Christ. They don't mesh. Or at least try to infuse Christ into it. Right. They don't, they don't mesh. 
They just I, don't. I, I think I'm there's sorry. a big difference between, okay, well, maybe this is my, my political whatever I do, and then trying to say that's somehow the Christian thing to do. And, and that's, a very, that's a very, very different thing. Yeah. Um, and, and again, this is not partisan for me. No. It's, 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 it's really not. No. You know, and we want to talk I, immigration, and I'll, both parties I, need to be I've spent my life all bus. over the political map. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where... Um, it would be nice if you could have a political map. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there was a time uh, when there was a political map, and I was kind of all over it. Um, you know, kind of depending on where I lived and where, you know, what, what circumstances were, you know, it depended on where, you know, sort of what, where, you know, where things fell for me. But, um, there's, like I said, this was, you know, long before this became an issue in our politics, I just found it very interesting that, you know, I, I had so many pro seminary professors talking specifically about the migration um, narrative that is so present within Genesis and Exodus, quite frankly, because, you know, what is that? That's another whole migration back, you know. Literally. Yeah, back north into the promised land, only this time they're going much more violently um, than, they, uh, than, than the call of Abraham. So the call of Abraham, you know, there, there's nothing really, I mean, it's just him and his family and they kind of show up and blah, blah, blah. And then it becomes, they go down into Egypt, they get really numerous, and they didn't, like, grow up numerous. It would be interesting to know what would have happened had they grown numerous in the land of Canaan if all the Canaanites would have eventually done exactly what the Egyptians did to yeah. them. Yeah. Oh, sure. Saying, wait a minute, you're becoming too many people. It was fine when it was one or two of you, but now there's a whole bunch of you, and you're threatening to take over, and can't I, have that. I, I remember... You, and as do you, famously, someone asks you, well, what if President Trump declares open borders? And our response was, what does Scripture say? <laughs> scripture doesn't put a limit on, well, if it's yeah. one immigrant, we're supposed to be hospitable, but if it's a million of them, we shouldn't. Again, I, I understand... And we're not arguing for that. We're not Correct. Arguing. Yes, we have laws and rules and blah, but, blah, blah, but and there's reasons for them. But, but Scripture but. says we're to love and care, and it doesn't give a number. Right. Like, again... I, I, yeah, right. We are not saying we should have open border. Blah. Didn't say that. Th not saying times that. are different. Things are different. But blah blah blah. We get it. Who yeah. shows up? Hospitable. Yeah. Uh, scripture calls us to it. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot that's involved in it that um, you know we're not going to get into because because it does go into the the realm of of some other very you know deeper political issues that that surround this, but. Um, yeah, like I said, I just, my, my intrigue with that portion of it was the fact that, you know, 15 years ago when I was taking classes, um, we were talking about the migration narrative. We're talking about yep. how this is about migration and this is about the movement of people from one area to another area and what hospitality looks like and, you know, all of that, you know, kind of stuff and how God's moving people around. God, you know... It's, it's God's taking people from one place and moving them to another place. And recognizing that's kind of even what the Gospels do when, when, when Jesus comes in. It's not that it all stays in the promised land. It doesn't all stay right there. It's no, take it out. Yep. It's a migration movement even then of let's move this out. 
Let's move this out beyond these borders. Jesus left the tomb for a reason. <laughs> yeah, it was move it beyond the borders. Move it beyond the borders. Um, go, go out into the world. Go, go do these things because the world is where you need to be being hospitable and loving and caring and sharing the love of Christ, not just within your own little um, conclave of people. It was no, it's for everybody. You need to be doing this for everybody. Go be a blessing. Go be a blessing. And next week, I believe, is Joseph. Joseph in prison. Joseph in prison. So, coat of many colors, but not that story. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's the coat of many colors. Yeah. I think he's same actually... Jo- same Joseph. It's same the Joseph. Yes, yeah, same Joseph. It's the prison I think story. this is where... I think it's the Potiphar's wife story, which is Maybe. always fun. Cool. Can't wait. <laughs> Looking forward to that. All right. We will see you next, talk to you next week. Um, Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you hopefully on the weekend. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.